Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We're up to episode 10 of season one. We're well into our Deep Space Nine season one adventures. This one is called Move Along Home. It is directed by David Carson. Story credit goes to Michael Piller. Teleplay goes to Frederick Rappaport, Lisa Rich, and Jean Kerrigan Fauci. In this episode, Quark is forced to play a game in which the lives of the crew appear to be at stake. We're going to be joined by Clay to talk about this one. Clay, how are you doing? Do you feel that you are in the game of your life? Um, I feel like I'm missing out on the uh, sex ed talk where he tells his son that old, only children enter through the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> the um yeah we're going to get into move along home which has been highly you were requested actually by a uh, a listener to do this one i assume because they thought you, you know let me let me say right now thank you <laughs> whoever that was thank you that i had to spend my day watching this episode <laughs> you, yeah, this episode's called move along home it should have been titled get the fuck out of here that's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do not pass go, I think, is the most gaming uh, appropriate <laughs> thing. Let's, uh, I'm going to play an audio clip. We're going to come back and we're going to break down Move Along Home. Is the audio clip just going to be like a 40 minute fart noise? Ah! Doctor! Ah! Oh, thank God! Ah! I thought I was having a nightmare! Oh, I couldn't wake up! You too. What was all that yelling? Well, uh, haven't you ever had to wake yourself up out of a bad dream? This isn't a dream. We're guests of the Wadi. What do they want? I don't know yet. I just had a strange run-in with Fallow. He had said something about moving along home. Home? Well, perhaps they're giving us some sort of behavioral test. Like a laboratory rodent who must work his way out of a maze. Behavioral test? Now, wait a minute. There doesn't seem to be any immediate threat, Major. Oh, no, I'm sure all you Starfleet explorers find this absolutely fascinating. But I'm a Bajoran administrator. This is not what I signed up for! All right, Clay, so maybe you were chosen because Michael Piller, the showrunner at this point, said that this episode was inspired by the Checkmate episode of The Prisoner. Mm. Mm. Cool. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I was trying to remember. I don't remember if I thought Checkmate was a good episode. I remember the the there's some what happens in that episode outside of the human chess component. The the human chess if I it's been a while since I've watched it. Um but the human chess component is sort of like a uh metaphor for the larger game that's being played yes. in the village between number 6 and and number 2. Um I honestly can't remember the the details of the plot, but luckily we have a podcast that covers all of those things called Back in the Village, the Prisoner Podcast. Um, but yeah, I remember liking that one. Uh, I can see I can see how maybe they watched that episode of The Prisoner and went, "Hey, we should put them in a game." Yeah, that's and that's where the that's really where the the the, the influence um, comes from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't remember people anyone in The Prisoner be this. <laughs> This actually, this episode reminded me like an episode of Rick and Morty more than it did The Prisoner. Oh, really? Because the, the aliens are so weird, and the they're chanting really strange things, and they're, they're I don't know, for some reason it seemed like this was like two clicks away from being a Rick and Morty episode. Yeah, this uh, this episode is not well regarded. Um, 
this episode is the worst episode out of all the ones that I've seen so far. I can easily it took say like that. fifteen people to write this episode. Too, yeah, right? it's it. Um, and the Frederick Rappaport, I guess, was the original guy, and he was kind of pleased with the way it turned out. So I don't really. I, I thought when I was reviewing it, it was going to be one of those the writers like, oh, they didn't get anything. Like this is not what I I wanted to be shown on screen. But apparently, he was pretty happy with it. So who knows? Um, Ronald D. Moore stated that. When he watched this episode prior to joining the writing staff of Deep Space Nine, he was, quote, wondering if everyone had lost their minds. Um, <laughs> so, you and me both. I mean, this is a... the It's a terrible, terrible episode um, in a lot of ways. And I think that the... I think there's really, you know, to explain my process of how the podcast works, I watch the episodes and I take notes about them. Um, and I just kind of type things down as they appear. After I'm done with that and when I'm sort of getting ready for things, I look over my notes and I kind of think about the episode and I try to think of like bigger questions that get we can talk about during things. So sort of like thematic stuff and how character interactions work and like what this means for the show and everything going forward. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time doing the prep for this episode because I don't think it's really about anything. And it's almost, it almost fails on every single level. Like the acting is bad in it. The scripting is bad in it. The plotting is bad in it. The characterization is bad in it. I don't really think there's a single saving grace to an episode that plods around for a long time and then has a reveal in the last five minutes that make the entire production pointless in the long run. Yeah. I feel like, um, What's her name? What's the character's name with the uh, the Bajoran Kira woman? Kira. I feel like she's kind of the plays the role of the audience in this episode, at least for me anyway, because I feel like most of her lines are are her going like, "Wait a minute, what?" And then at the end, she's like, "Wait, so we weren't actually in any danger whatsoever?" Right. I feel like she. I, I, I'm I'm surprised at one point she didn't just go. So what exactly was the point of all this? She has a line that she screams. It's terribly acted too. She says she didn't sign up for this, and I think the audience kind of agrees <laughs> with her at that point too. Um, yeah, Kira, Kira might be fitting the role of the audience. I, I don't know if you really noticed it, but it's, it's plainly obvious that, um, Avery Brooks is not enjoying himself in this episode. Except for when he gets to dance and, and sing a rhyme. Do the, yeah, do the the hopscotch. He's actually gone on record as saying this is one of his two. He only hated, uh, working on two of the episodes of the show and this is one of them. Um, yeah, so what'd you think? I've been talking for a while. What'd you think about Move Along Home as someone who's oh, never seen it. this? No, I thought it was great. I'm really <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. No. Um, no, I, you know, I spent most of the episode trying to figure out what why, what, why, what, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Why are they telling us this story? And I couldn't really figure it out. Like, the only thing I could come up with is, like, like what's the theme of this episode? Don't cheat? I, I, it, like, like, I, yeah, I mean, that, it's a good question. Is like, is this a episode about teaching Quark a lesson? No, I don't know. Right? I don't, no, I don't think really. it is. No, yeah. no. I mean, it's like it's. I I was I was talking with uh, with uh, Dan about it a little bit, and I I, 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 yeah, well, I had learned that uh, Dan is watching this along with <laughs> us as we go, and he's never seen it before, so he's he's similarly disappointed by the early Deep Space Nine episodes. Yeah. And uh, I kind of was, as, as we were talking about it, I was kind of coming back to what I was saying, what I said previously, I think on the last episode, that it feels like, so I feel like the, the vibe they're trying to go for, at least in the episodes I've seen, is sort of like, 
this is just what day to day is like on this on this on the uh, on Deep Space Nine. You know, crazy people show up and these crazy hijinks happen, just like it would if like in a Western town. You know, they get the Western thing going on there. Yep. Um, but the reason that it's not working for me is because you know, as I said previously, um, these feel a lot of these feel like bad later season TNG episodes, and the reason that those TNG episodes work better is because your characters are really firmly established and your your character interplay is really firmly established. So that really goes a long way to carry a lot of this shit. And here I feel like like I'm not getting anything from any of the characters in this episode. Like I'm not learning anything about anybody except for the one that there's one good line in the episode where uh um Kira says, uh, if I was in, or Kira or Dash, I can remember, says, if I was in command, I'd leave you behind. And then Cisco says, well, it's a good thing you're not in charge. Oh, yeah. Like da- that. That Dax a, says that. Yeah. yeah. Dax, I'm sorry. Yeah, not Dash. Um, that, that's a pretty good line. But aside from that, like, there's no, there's no character work in this episode. I mean, there's, a, again, the highlight of the episode, and it's a very dim highlight, is Odo and Quark, you know, yelling at each other. But even there, it's like for, for, for no purpose in right. the service of this ridiculous <laughs> game. Yep. That like it's it's really hard to it's really hard to to feel engaged when one of your characters doesn't know the rules of the game, which means and which means that the audience also doesn't know the rules of the game. Well, you you could and, I, I would argue you could do you could have the main character not know the rules if the audience knows the rules. You know yeah, what I mean? Or, or but it, yeah, it's but it's just like it's some, having having the. Uh, um, so to compare it to the prisoner episode, the reason why checkmate works is because chess is a known quantity and checkmate right. is a known, known term. It's like the, there's an inherent understanding of, of the idea of the game chess. So when you get into this, uh, mind game between six and two, uh, even if it's not explicitly them playing chess against each other, you understand the illusion that they're making because you understand the concept of the game. This one, like, could you imagine if this if this episode didn't have uh, the crew members uh, being Jumanjied into the game? Like, right. it would ju- it would just be it would just be Quark and and these other people just like moving pieces around on this weird like uh, Lego set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, it just and like the sucking them into the game makes no sense whatsoever in terms of like it, it's it's only done because there is no drama or narrative thrust to anything that's going on right yep yep and like they don't even explain it they don't even explain why they get sucked into the game no like it's not it, it, why was it them why was it specifically the people whose names are in the credits right you know it's it's <laughs> why not odo in a sense like, yeah why was odo left behind yeah i i think that the i mean my my overall point of this episode is that it's it's falling into what a lot of the episodes are doing here in the first season where everything that happens feels like it's just a plot point as opposed to wanting to tell a story about something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one feels particularly pointless, like out of all the episodes. A, there's no sense of danger, right? Like the, the episode never establishes any reason why you should feel f- fearful for what's happening to the characters in the game because yeah. you never see anything bad happens to them. They disappear at the worst. Um you have no idea what the stakes are because the alien refuses yeah. to tell Quark what the point of the game is about. Yeah, like it, like even the fact that they're in the game, I don't even know if he does he entirely recognize that point. Like, there's no, there's no. Does Quark recognize? Involved. You mean? Yeah, 
he they come to that conclusion weirdly like odo has some line about this four people missing and quirk goes four people there's four pieces in this game board and he he somehow (laughs) makes the connection that the people are in the game so i assume that he knows it um i don't think it's like how anytime that's like how anytime i open up a board game and there's a piece missing i assume that that piece has come to life right exactly you're like hey this chance stack is not equal to the community chess stack something has gone wrong here um but that top hat came to life that's, <laughs> that's my sort of general that's the big theme that i could get from this like there's nothing nothing in this episode matters and they ultimately flip everything to being co- totally irrelevant at the very end when they just say hey it's a game don't worry everyone was fine the entire time and you spend the entire episode not realizing what any of the stakes are quirk is rolling dice that don't tell you what it is you have to wait for the wadi guy to say some nonsense word yeah. and then yeah, it all was- it all goes off of that that was a big problem too. Is when they have that thing where like, Quark, Quark gives that big uh, uh, appeal to Odo about understanding how the game works and to trust a gambler. And then they roll the dice, and then it lands at a certain thing. And like everybody involved, including the audience, is like, "Okay, <laughs> did he win? <laughs> yeah, is that is that good? Yeah, yeah, exactly. His and that backfires on him, right? His his role was yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't even it doesn't even amount to anything. And the the other big takeaway I had from it um, is that this the script makes the actors play bad charades, and I understand that acting is all about basically playing some kind of charades, but the the script here does no service to any of these actors. It puts them in such a bad situation where. The sets that they're in in the game are just empty rooms, right? And yeah. it's like they're throwing out charade suggestions. It's like, all right, pretend like you're choking. Okay, pretend yes. like you're having yeah. a bad nightmare. Okay, now I pretend like feeling. you're very high. Yeah, yeah. I got the same feeling where um, the scene where they're choking and they're drinking and they have to drink that stuff. I was like, this feels like this feels like like level one improv class, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right and, now, now she's choking a little bit more, so help her drink the thing because she can't do it. You know, I don't know. And they they couldn't even come up with a reason as to why he, he's like, oh, I didn't even know. I just guessed. I just drank the liquid. They had yeah, the liquid. I not drank to it. Mention it's the one thing. Like what? Wh- so the other thing. So okay, here's here's a. <laughs> you're you're a, you're a big board game person, right? Yes. Um, who is who is in charge of the action of this game? I think the Wadi is the uh, dungeon master, if you want to call him that. Um, <laughs> well, then what role is Quark playing? Because how is Quark in influencing what's happening if also inside the game, the choices they are making are influencing the choices, that the outcome of the game? I totally agree. Like Quark's role, Quark isn't, doesn't even really have an input on things, right? Because he is just rolling dice. It's not like he's making yeah. it. He's, he has the decision that they say, you can go the long way or the short way. The short way is more dangerous, but the long way takes longer. He says, oh, okay, I want people to be safe. Let's go the long way. Then he rolls and the guy's like, ooh, that was a bad roll. <laughs> it looks like the long road is going to be the very long road or something. It's like, I don't understand. There's, it's not really a game. You know, they keep calling it a game and the species, the Wadi, are supposed to be all about games. It's all they want to do is play games. There is no game. That they're playing here. There's not even a there's not even a fail state. Like you can't lose the game at the very end. Yeah, the only thing that I can that I can gather is that Quark's role is to by whatever he's rolling with those dice, that is going to dictate the basically the level that the characters are put in. Sure. 
In terms of difficulty, he, or do you mean just moving down the thing, whatever they call them, chupas like, or chulas? Yeah, like a, like a little of both, I guess, where it's sometimes it's level of difficulty, but sometimes if he rolls correctly, he can, you know, use one of the uh, the Mario tubes and jump through sure. stages, you know? Um, <clears throat> but even there, it's like, it's it's very undefined. At what, like, why doesn't... I, I don't know. It's... It, it's it's just not a it's not a good device. No, it's, <laughs> like at least like like and there's no way to like it's not like Quark is watching what they're doing. Right. He doesn't. You know? He doesn't have like a window. A yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just like he does something. Then they cut to the people doing it inside the game, and then they cut back and they're like, oh shit. And but but Quark has no idea what how his role is influencing what's happening to these people. Like, if he was watching them having trouble, and then he's like, oh, shit, I have an extra roll. If I roll this and I hit the right numbers, I could I could end this, and they could get out, and then he rolls it, and, like, a, a rancor shows up or right. something. Yes. You know, like, that, <laughs> right, that yeah. at least adds drama to the fact that he, like, the chances he's taking are directly influencing how fucked his friends are. Yeah, yeah. But I have no idea what's going on in this episode. I mean, he even he even has a, a thing tying into that point is where he... He rolls something and the guy moves a piece and he like knocks it over and Cork goes, "What does that mean? Why did you? Why yeah. did you knock that over?" And it's like, it's like he has no, he has no. It's like if you were put in a basketball game and you were totally unfamiliar and you also were wearing a blindfold and they were like, "Just run around and see what happens." Yeah, Cork stands no chance here. Um, and as as far as the game goes, like the levels that they're in. This game's real easy, right? Like the, they're they're in the level where they're choking off the gas. Literally, the only thing they can do is drink it's that drink. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's you have one of two options: you either drink it or you die. Yep. Like yep. It, it, in in the first level, the hopscotch thing. Uh, the hopscotch thing is arguably harder than the the deadly gas level because <laughs> yes. at least you have to like figure out the pattern and and what she's doing and how that influences whatever in the gas level and like the last level. The last level is just like falling rocks <laughs> that you have to like navigate and carry. Like what? And then you fall into the hole, and then it's just ah, it's just over. Yeah, it's fine. The, the, you, you, know. you, you tried. Good, good job. I don't know, man. I don't like. The, and like, what happens? What are the like you were saying? The stakes. What? What's at? What is at stake? Like from a from a gambling point of view, this game that they're playing. Yeah. What? What is at stake? There's absolutely nothing at stake. Quark. Cork believes something is at stake, and it's not even at stake. And I, I don't know if the the Wadi, the aliens, are actually trying to trick him into thinking something's at stake. I don't even think they're trying to trick him. I think they're just not telling people what's going on because they think that they know how the the game is played. Um, but like, why would why would the Wadi play this game by themselves? Right? Like, wh- yeah. what kind of game can this be? If you once you realize what the point of the game is, it's not interesting. There is no game anymore to it. Yeah, so I don't know. And what'd you think of the? Uh, this is the second of two aliens that have come out of the Gamma Quadrant, uh, the Wadi. Uh, to me, they look like third-rate magicians playing in Reno, Nevada. Um, yeah, they're they're terrible looking. <laughs> they look they look really bad. They it's have, you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, they just got they have face paint, sort of a, a, a Fu Manchu and. Um, just horrible hair, and that that's supposed to be an alien that's come in, and we want to make first contact with them. Yeah, they're. I'm not. I'm not loving the design of the show. Yeah. Um, yep. It feels. It feels very much like the worst aspects of TNG, um, design wise. 
Uh, like even that game that's designed is really ugly looking and it's like, it's like they're trying too hard to be futuristic or something. And like the clothing that those aliens are wearing are all like, you know, it looks like they're made out of uh, like that silvery balloon material. Yes. Yep. Yep. It's just, it's just not good. Tinfoil, tinfoil outfits. Yeah. Episodes like episodes like this are what turn me off from this show. Sure. Because like, because it's it's really boring. I don't know what's going on. Like, not 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 because I'm not paying attention, but just like on a structural story level, I don't know what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what the point of the story they're telling is. I think that's I think that's the thing that's been getting me so far is this sort of like everyday nature on this on the on the station is not grabbing me in terms of why they're telling the stories they're telling. Right. Yep. I think that the. <sighs> I, I think that the this episode in particular suffers really from the fact that there is no new series aspect to it. There's, you know, in in previous episodes where I've been sort of disappointed by the episode, at least I go, well, there's a couple of decent scenes here where we get that character interaction and it's like kind of a new thing and that goes on and Cisco and Odo interact and Odo and Quark interact. Here, you don't really get any of that. It's all yeah. based around this game and you're being... The the way that they've chosen to run the characters is just really coming up weirdly. Like Bashir is odd in this one. Terry Farrell is not playing Dax very well. Uh, Kira is not being played particularly well. Cisco's fine, but it doesn't feel. It puts a lot of burden on Quark and Odo in this episode, mm-hmm. and I think they do I, okay. Yeah. However, I have noticed something that they're doing with Odo. I don't know if he's just like this all the time, but. You know, the the couple episodes, the Q episode, they had a good scene together where Odo, you know, kind of saw what was going on and then used that as motivation to get in Quark's face about stuff. Right. And this episode and the next one, I feel like Odo just is always coming in hot because it works. Sure. But it's not like they're not earning his him being pissed off about stuff. It's like it's like the it's like the, the, his first appearance in the script always says. Odo enters and is clearly upset. Yes. Yep. Odo is and always I, upset. That is. That, oh yes. Okay. That right. is, well, I I feel like they're not. I feel like they're not really earning it. Okay. I I think that's fair. I think that the. Although I guess I don't know. The this next one, I episode, guess I think they do a better job of earning why Odo is angry like that. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm off base here because I guess on this one he is kind of. Uh, uh, he is he is the one figuring out that people are missing and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I, it, just, it seems it seems like they've figured out that the Odo and Quark thing works really well. Yeah, and they so keep they doing end up it. just yeah they just backing into it as much as they can. Yes, I, I'd agree with that. They 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 have a scene in almost every episode so far, and it's kind and, of it's kind of hitting the point where they need to evolve their relationship a little bit. Yeah, he, and they seem. They seem very similar, all the scenes that they have. Sure, yeah. At least the ones that I've seen, anyway. Yeah, but you, scene to scene, you mean, not the characters are similar, but the, the scenes are yes. very, yeah, the scenes are yeah, very similar yeah. to each other. Um, because their interaction has no reason to change at this point. Although, I think in this episode, they were ask, they were actually, they're antagonistic, but Odo is trying to help Quark out, you know, just mm-hmm. because the plot demands it, so they, they'll, they'll work on that out together. Um, you got the new, the new security guy is in this episode, that <laughs> lieutenant, and... Apparently, he appeared in The Passenger, which is the episode before this, and apparently in between episodes, someone hit him in the head with a brick or something because he he becomes a real doofus in this episode. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much longer he's around for, but 
uh, he's much better in the passenger. He's not really used all that well here. Um, I do, um, I do like in this episode that I don't know if they've done it previously to this, and I just haven't seen it. But they, 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 they very clearly lay out that the holodeck is for fucking. Yes, it's the. I think they do it in the next. They do it in the Nagus too. The next episode, yeah. they're, they're really laying into. And I was, what do you think about that? I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, that's that's how I would monetize a holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> or let me let me take that back. Not specifically, monet, but I mean, like, uh, what else are you going to do in it? How much baseball eight, can you play? Eight, yeah, eight out of ten things. Like, let's put the, even the most well-intentioned person can only go into the holodeck and like talk to Einstein so many times before you're like, well, take off your pants, Einstein. Let's yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Or you know what I mean? It's like eventually it's going to turn to that, and you're going to be like, oh, "Okay, all right, I see why this is popular." Yeah, I never, um, I haven't, I, I never, when I was younger watching this, I never really realized how explicit they're making that connection. The hollow suites are for prostitution, like they, AI they prostitution. Even, he literally says when he's when he's trying to sell them on it, Quark literally says, "Don't you guys have sex on your planet?" Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about as explicit as you can get. I guess. <laughs> he doesn't doesn't need to hide uh, anymore or anything like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have a lot more to say about this episode. I think it's truly terrible. We can talk about the the innards of the game. I mean, we've kind of talked about it. it's just an endless stream of hallways. I was kind of I was kind of impressed that they built all these these hallways and rooms. Just it's probably only one hallway, and one room, but they built them anyway, just for this sort of horrible uh, ex- exercise and. Uh, storytelling mm. i don't know it's it's not particularly it's not a good episode it's very bad i guess the one thing we could kind of get from it is that we're now two for two in alien races coming from the gamma quadrant and not particularly being uh agreeable people <laughs> that come in mm. which is going to be something that'll it'll continue to be a uh, theme but yeah that's that's about it i think we're going to take a break play an audio clip me and clay are going to come back give our final thoughts we'll read the patron thoughts we have a lot of patron feedback about this episode so we'll get through that we'll be back in a jiffy you can't ask him to do that if you do not sacrifice one all three will be lost i can't please which player i don't even know which one is which select one to be sacrificed or this game is finished fine fine Fine. Fine. I can't do it. I beg of you. A terrible mistake has been made. This is all a misunderstanding. Please. I've learned my lesson. I'll never cheat again. I'll never cheat again. Please. Just don't make me do this. Anything but this. Please! 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 Alright guys, move along home. We finished it's uh, episode 10 of season 1 right now. Me and Clay were both pretty unimpressed by this one. Uh, Clay, I think you've watched four episodes so far. Would you say that this is... Was this the worst one you've seen to this yes. point? Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, think, I think I gave... Because um, because you also gave the Q one a, a one, one. Yeah. I think I kind of followed suit on that. I would retroactively move that to a two, and this is a hard one. Okay, okay. This is like I would. This is this is this is bad. So you wouldn't say the Q is a high one. You you would just say that this is such a bad one that this is this sets the bar for what a one can be in the show. I feel like I feel like yes. Okay. I feel like there was a couple. 
There's a couple redeeming elements of the Q episode. This one, it's just like garbage, start front to back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, we'll we'll read the patrons and then we'll give our final thoughts. Although it's ratings. Oh, one, yeah, go ahead. One other thing, the the thing at the beginning where Cisco is giving Bashir shit for not having his dress uniform. Yes, they've got replicators. I know. To make a fucking <laughs> new one. <laughs> they've got replicators. Why is this even an issue? Uh, the second thing is they were considering bringing back Garrick, who you haven't yet met yet, but he's the tailor. Uh, they were going to write that into it to bring him back so he could sew it, but the replicator makes a lot more sense. Also, in this one, um, you get a little bit of the Cisco and Jake stuff, which is going to come back much bigger in the Nagus, uh, but you do get a little bit of a hint of Jake and Nog hanging out. Um, I think Ben Cisco implies that Nog is out getting hand jobs, and he doesn't want Jake <laughs> to be out around with him. Um, yeah, he does definitely imply something about what's going on with not i and i do really like when he's when he's like tomorrow morning first thing we're having a talk about women that's like could you imagine waking up and then be like good you're awake let's talk about sex son <laughs> i've been up all night looking at material and i'm ready to bring your uh, face to it yeah I, the um i don't think they their plot line doesn't really do anything else in that except for just sort of reinforce the fact that nog and jake are friends um so i don't think we need to talk about it uh, let's go to patron feedback here. Move along home. We have Mecha Jeff. He writes, move along home. We've met two Gamma Quadrant races now, and they are totally indifferent to any form of formal relationships and instead singularly focused on their single racial trait. That's true. Uh, and yeah, we've t- we talked about that a little bit. That is sort of the theme of the Gamma Quadrant at this point. Holly McLaughlin writes, this one gets a lot of grief, but I like it. It's so rare to get to see badass Starfleet types being silly. Um, boo. Yeah, boo. <laughs> I think I disagree with you, Holly. It's just, it's uh, Clay. Can you think of a if you had to think of an episode, not even of Deep Space Nine, but a Star Trek episode where them being silly was successful? Could you think of one? I'm just trying to think. Um, um TOS did it effectively, I think, sometimes. I feel you know, I kept thinking about the Royale when I was thinking. About oh, this sure, episode, yeah, you know, because the Royale seems like it's f- sort of similar, but. It actually, like, the characters actually have stuff to do. And it's a and mystery it you can actually them, figure, out, figure out, you know? Yeah, yeah, and the silliness the silliness is part of the structure of, of the world that they're in. Yep, yep. You know, and, and in, a, in a way that makes sense and isn't just, you know, what's the wackiest shit we can think of? Sure. It, like, so I feel like that one is, is much more successful than this. Yeah, that's a good point. I should actually, the, the, Royale is one of my favorite episodes, so I should have thought that. But yeah, I would say, I would say the Royale is the kind of silly that Trek can do well. I I cringe during the hopscotch scene in this episode. It, oh yeah, it is awful. Yeah. It, it's I feel so bad for all the actors involved in that one. Um, Immunities, the podcast where America changes overnight. Fictionally, writes I like Kira's reaction to the silliness. Paraphrasing as apparently you guys spend all your time playing weird alien games, but I'm from an actual military service. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kira is pretty angry in this one, and she's still not being acted particularly well. Um, Ben Douglas writes, I'm not ashamed to admit that Move Along Home is one of my favorite episodes from a season. Okay, okay, maybe I'm a little ashamed. Anyway, I think that it's okay to have an occasional episode that just has fun without high stakes or advancing the meta plot or whatever. The best Can we give back these people's money? The best part of the episode is during the hopscotch scene where it seems like Avery Brooks is doing his best to hide the fact that he'd really like to murder the screenwriter. Um, yeah, I, I kind of... I feel like this This was kind of... I did a review of the Orville's pilot episode. Did you watch the Orville? I didn't. I was actually going to ask you about that. Did you, is it online? I'll have to check that out. Uh, the, the, yeah, the review, I mean. 
Yes, it, it, it's on Hulu, I would have to assume. But um, I watched it. I did a review. And a lot of the criticism I got from it was that I'm just not enjoying a fun show. Kind of like that's the <laughs> like, the, you know, you, you should just like you don't it's not supposed to be serious sci fi or whatever. And I would I would respond to that point the same as I would respond to Ben's point here without saying that you can't like I'm not telling you what you can't enjoy about the episode. But the reason I don't enjoy episodes like this is because I don't think they're very fun. Like there's nothing mm. to me the the silliness here is so pointless and not fun where like you were saying, the Royale is a good example of a fun that I can enjoy. This feels totally detached from any kind of fun. Uh, along the same way that the Orville felt detached from being fun. It wasn't, I'm not being overly negative because it's not fitting to like into a comedy box or something, but it's, it's not succeeding at what it's trying to do. Um, did you see a million ways to die in the West? Mm, no, that's the McFarlane Western, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well the problem I had with that movie, I'm wondering if it, if it follows into the Orville. So is the, is the structure of the Orville basically like, it's like a Star Trek show if the main character was not played by Seth MacFarlane, but is just Seth MacFarlane. Where in, in what I mean is that he's basically uh, tropes are being executed that are, are native to something like Star Trek. And then he's kind of like, you know, waxing ironic and sarcastically remarking on them as they happen. Sort of. I'd say that the universe that the characters live in is very much Star Trek, but it's mm-hmm. as if you put modern semi-realistic people into a star trek universe like no one no one particularly acts like they belong there they're all just kind of playing joker characters in this situation yeah that's what i i kind of had the feeling that's what it was going to be like yeah yeah and i mean i I think mcfarlane doesn't help because mcfarlane isn't a great actor he's competent at certain things but i think he's a better writer than he is an actor in these kind of roles and the orville to me just felt like it was a a very long hour long show that only had five minutes of jokes in it. And it wasn't sure if it wanted to be a comedy or not. Mm, yeah. And you just have to decide, like if you want to be a comedy, you have to tell more jokes. I'd be willing to go with that. If you want to do a, like a more of a dramatic sci-fi thing, you probably can't cast Seth MacFarlane in it. You can have him write it maybe, but just not cast it. Um, joint mango. I would have liked to, I would have liked move along home a bit more. If Cork was in control of everyone's fate. So that's your point. Clay. Um, the surreal world of the game is kind of neat. The costume on the Gamma Quadrant aliens are awful. Um, I would agree with two out of your three points. I didn't, I didn't like the surreal world of the game very much. It felt like I would have liked it if box. it was. Yeah, I would have liked it if it was a little weirder. Sure. I mean, it's it's sure. kind of like feels like first draft weirdness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like, it felt like kind of like a uh, felt kind of like a little Trump hotel a little bit. There was a lot of gold, a lot of gold and everything <laughs> like that. Maybe that's what they're going well, for. I mean, the, the, one of the issues with it is that, like, clearly they just, they built that set and they're like, all right, everything has to happen in this set. Right. Yeah. So we can't get too weird with the visuals because we have to make sure everything happens in the same, you know, octagonal room that we built because we only have one. It was originally scripted to be an outdoors exterior location in the game. Yeah, I mean, that probably would have, I mean, I don't know if that would have helped much, but it might have been a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I think I think you could have just gotten away with more weirdness type stuff, but mm-hmm. they uh, they went with the interior. And why, why are the people, what's the name of the race? The Wadi. Why are the Wadi in the game? I don't know. Are those real why Wadi do, or are those the, fake Wadi? I don't Wadi? know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, listen, I know a fake Wadi when I see one. <laughs> uh, you can tell but, by their tinseled clothing. 
Yeah, but like, why are they? Why are they there? Like, every time they level up, and he's being like Shap three. Yeah. What? Yep. what? I, I don't know. <laughs> Chap three. I I can't even remember the term. Chapu or Chap Chap something like that. Yeah. Eric McGowan writes, Move Along Home, a silly and mo- mediocre episode made worse by a twist ending that makes everything that came before it utterly pointless. The episode introduces a new race of aliens to pull a snafu in the audience and then disappear forever. It only serves to make the episode weaker. I agree with that, Eric. I think we're on the on the level here. Uh, Stephen Cobb writes, Impressive level of sarcasm from Odo to the new Starfleet guy. Uh, that's true. Yeah, Odo, d- Odo doesn't particularly like that guy. He doesn't suffer fools gladly. Kyle uh, Barrett writes, an episode you can have fun with despite or maybe because of its bizarre nature, utter stupidity, and poor acting. Early Deep Space Science is about getting to know the characters rather than the plot. But any character work is meaningless here, except maybe for Quark, who has a few good lines. You were here for the groveling. Having said that, I would be down for a sequel episode. The fact that Move Along Home 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, I would have said Move Along Home Alone 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Didn't happen. was a missed opportunity. I don't need to see a sequel to this episode. Um... I, okay, so I would be interested in a sequel if I had any idea what this alien race was like as a race. Sure. Like, there's you learn nothing about these people except for the fact that they have stuff that there was one interesting idea that I, I that was in this episode. Well, they like that, games. You do know that. That's the yeah. Okay, yeah. sure. Um, I mean, it, you know, if it turns into like Mojo, have you do you did you ever read X Men comics in the nineties? Yep. Are you familiar with Mojo World? Uh, I know Mojo. I'm not sure I know about Mojo yeah, World. Mojo World is basically it's this this other planet where the entire planet is like one giant like death game. Oh sure. So if it was something like that where it's like oh well they they get sucked into their home planet and the entire thing is a giant death game or well, that'd be kind of interesting maybe. But uh, uh, they had one idea that I thought was kind of interesting, which was um, right at the beginning when they show up, if you are dealing with races who have no contact with each other ever and you put them into a uh, uh a gambling or monetary based situation <laughs> right. how how do you deal with the fact that the stuff they have do- is meaningless to you yeah well you, you mean know, when like you the post st- the gems out yeah he's yeah. got the those like uh, breadsticks yeah, the, the, <laughs> the breadsticks from the olive garden which are very rare yep and um uh, a glass of uh uh nest tea yep yep it, which are supposedly super rare, but obviously Quark doesn't know what they are, so who who cares? Right, exactly. Um, like yeah. that's that's a, that's kind of an interesting concept. I don't I don't think you can build an entire story out of that, but it's an it's an interesting thing I was thinking about given the the setting of this show. I feel like you're probably going to run run into that more often than not if you're dealing with like new races and stuff. Well, um, yeah, it's the same thing with um in Q in Qless, right? When Vash comes back and she brings those relics from the Gamma Quadrant to the Alpha Quadrant. The mm-hmm. appraiser is somehow able to appraise the value of the items. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he he shouldn't know anything about this. She could she could be giving him the most common thing that she's ever found and he's say, "Oh, this is a fantastic rare new treat for me." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so, but I mean so like if if there was any more information given about what this race was like or or why we would want to see them again? Yeah. Sure, why not? I'll I'll give it a shot. Sure, um, sure. But otherwise, nah, no. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I, even even Cisco, like there are multiple characters in this show that like I feel like they echo, if not the people who are watching it, but the people who are writing it, like even subconsciously. Because even Cisco at the beginning, he's like, "Man, I just watched this for like six hours, and it is so boring. Right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go." 
<laughs> after they do the long pan of all the empty glasses in front of him that he's been sitting there enjoying. Yeah, no, I know that's the. Um, I think we're getting an insight into the uh, the production team and with all that stuff. Last comment. and I will say, as far as that goes, I don't think he sells that as well as Patrick Stewart does. Patrick Stewart was really good at selling like um, exasperation, exasperation, but like realizing that he has to be diplomatic, but he's still exact. Like he was really good at that. I don't know if Cisco really gets that across as well. Sure. Do you think that that's a weakness of the acting, or do you think it's just a characterization difference at this point, or do you think it's both that they could play? I mean, into? yeah, I guess it could be both. Yeah. Um, depends on how they play it. I mean, it's, it's just a tiny thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that, though. Last comment. Anthony Alvarado. Move Along Home is probably the only first season episode that I have a memory of since it aired. Not because it's particularly good, but because of the hopscotch scene. I went back and watched this episode and I laughed about how done with this Brooks is doing that little chant in motions. The others don't look too thrilled either. It also reminds me of the TOS episodes like Arena, where you've said that we check in from time to see, time to see what everyone else is doing. Um, he means by that the episodes where one character is stuck on a planet and the rest are kind of monitoring him mm. from above. Mm. I didn't get too much of that here because it felt like Quark and Oda were important enough to what's going on that we needed to check in with them every once in a while. Yeah. Um, not that what they were doing was interesting, but we still needed to check in. Uh, at least they learned a few lessons and the characters are doing something. Quark is, oh, he mentions it here. At least the characters are doing something. Quark is playing the game and Odo is looking for everybody. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I'm going to give this one a one out of five. This is the worst episode that I've seen in the first season so far. Clay, are you going to agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah, it's a one out of five. It's really, really terrible. Um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate in the sense that, uh, you know, you should just have a better grasp of things by this point. And these are not people who have never worked on Star Trek before. So it's, it's odd that this is uh, where things end up. But yeah. Why did it take eight people to write this episode? Like, it, is it? Is it a matter of like they just could never find find it or something? Why is why are there so many names on this episode? It feels to me like it came in. It seems like a story that would originate from a pitch, and then a writer takes a stab at it, and then someone else fixes it, and then someone does a final draft. Like it feels to me that the original pitch was not what the script became eventually, and but everyone still gets credit for their little part that they put into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously no one really succeeded in making the idea work in the long run. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Move along home. I'm going to give it a one out of five. Clay gives it a one out of five. Bad episode. Very unfortunate. Thank you, patrons, you know, for all the you feedback. You know what's really good? You know what's really good? Best of both worlds, part one. Yeah. we should. You want to just talk about that one for a while? <laughs> I actually, um, I'm doing a top 10 TNG episode video, and I've been thinking a lot about that. Um that kind of a thing, but yeah, not that not that we're going to start talking about best of both worlds, but best of both worlds is a uh, an example of good a good Star Trek episode. I guess it's, my, <laughs> <laughs> it's a long winded way to say that uh, best of both worlds is pretty awesome, guys. If you're enjoying the show, you can check us out on social media. All the links are in the video description or in the podcast blurb. Go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support the show, a couple dollars, you get extra stuff, you get extra podcasts, you can feed back all the, uh, the information as people did in this um, episode. You gave us some things to read on the podcast about what you guys thought of the show. All that stuff, patreon.com slash the Penske file. And, and obviously I was just joking. We love your money. We, do. we don't want 
want to we don't want to give it back just because you like this episode. And uh, the high tier patron supporters get to uh, thank you from everyone here uh, for supporting the show. Stephen Cobb, Ben Douglas, Tax Bear, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Vincent Adultman, Doug Valcamp, Tarek Latif, and Magpie's Nest Productions. Guys, thank you very much for supporting the show. It means a lot. It helps everything get done. And um, we'll be moving on. Uh, you guys have Demolition Man and Star Trek predictions coming out soon for the Patreon feed, uh, podcast. So, that's about it. Clay, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I feel like I'm really putting in the work here. Absolutely. And we are going to be coming back at you with the Nagus. See ya.